You are listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast, and we're on the air today. You were in this marriage for 30 years. You had children, began having children after six years. How many Mm -hmm. children did you have? We had two. Two. two, um, And they were 13 months apart. Um, That was not a plan. Might have been his plan or wasn't my plan. Um, And so, um, so it, um, so we had two kids um, and, you know, they. Did the abuse escalate after the children were born or did or did it stay about the same uh not at first it started escalating because i realized um like he adored the kids he was a good dad he he did but as they got older if i showed them affection i realized later that when i showed them affection he would get jealous of that yeah. Um, and so I got to where I was holding back part of my heart from my kids out of protection. And I didn't realize that because I felt like I didn't protect my kids, which is damaging to their relationship, which is damaging. Oh, gosh, yes. And um, and so as they got older, it escalated. Yes. Mm-hmm. Things escalated as they got older. Um, I think when the kids were can't remember if they were fourth or fifth grade or fifth and sixth but right around that time um he hit me for the first time in front of the kids and then once he did that it kind of that really escalated it it did escalate it quite a bit and then about the time she was in kindergarten he became a law enforcement officer Mm. and that changes the dynamic too if he's already on a power trip Uh, already on. So he arrested people uh, all the time for what he did at home. Um, But it it didn't, nobody knew. Did he recognize what he was doing? Oh, no. Oh, absolutely not. He, he, a girl that I worked with, a woman that I worked with, and they had to arrest her husband because he just went off on her. And, um, and, and he's like talking down, like, man, she's just going to go back to him. Why does she keep going back to him? And you're like, why do I have to sit there going? I I had no words. I was just looking at him because he totally like, like, man, he just did not get it. Or they'll minimize what they do. Oh, yes. Like Mm -hmm. I know my ex-husband, he's, he said that because, okay, because he would, beat me senseless and sometimes I would pass out and then he'd leave. Well, when I'd get up, I still wasn't right. Mm-hmm. I'm alone. And so I'd fall down the stairs. Well, after I left him, the neighbor came over and said, we knew you weren't abusing her that she was doing stuff because we would hear her do stuff and we knew you'd left. Mm. And so they have no idea what had happened. Mm-hmm. They just knew they heard things and they did, they thought it was me throwing myself down the stairs, making it look like he was. Mm, wow. Yeah. And he w- and so then he took that as, well, I didn't really do anything to you. Mm-hmm. I- I've got witnesses now that say, I didn't do anything to you. You did it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And wow. so like, 
it, it just continued on. And after the divorce, he used the divorce decree to continue to manipulate and abuse me mm-hmm. until finally I just stopped mm-hmm. that I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I, I was fortunate in that when I left, which was 15 years ago on January 19th, when I, your kids were grown. Left, weren't they? Yes. My kids, when I left, I, uh, I walked out of the, the abuse actually um, the day after Christmas of 2004. Um, and I, but it was 15 clear, years ago. Yes. 15 years, years ago. Um, and so in June of 2004, I had what I call, um, I have two names for it. One is the burning bed moment. Yeah. And, or you can call it the <laughs> stick of fork in me. I'm done moment. Um, and cause some people don't know what the burning bed means. And <laughs> I- it, it's, it was the moment that I realized I had come home. I had just gotten a, a, a raise and a big bonus from work. Everybody loved me. I got promoted within three months of being at a job over somebody who'd been there longer than me. Um, and so, um, and so I come home and I tell him this and he doesn't look at me, doesn't talk to me. And in that moment I looked at him And it's as if I could see this giant fork protruding out of my body. And all I thought is, I am done. I am done. Everybody else sees my value and you don't. You can't even celebrate me. All this is going on in my head because I didn't say it out loud. I I will tell you, I was anything but brave. And, um, And I remember watching a show, the Call the Midwife show. I got kind of hooked on that. And, and one of the dynamics was this woman and who was dying and her daughter wouldn't have anything to do with her because it turns out she was in an abusive marriage for most of her life. And she just said, I was a coward. And I was like, yep, that's what I felt like. I was a coward. I did not have the courage to walk out. But that moment in June of 2004, when I just was done, but I didn't know what to do at that point. But that set you up and for the next six so after in the next six months that you were going to do something. It it totally set me up, um, and it also in that moment got it put God put some things into motion that I could not see, and and um, and my sister in law and I Deb we actually put this together last summer about the the timeline. So in June I was done, but I didn't know what to do. Um, and in August we celebrated our anniversary. I took two days off and the first day he just spent mean and horribly didn't hit anymore. The last year he never touched me and, and, um, did little you think things. that also allows him to kind of justify. Oh yes. Yeah. Because I wasn't hurting her anymore. Yes. He wasn't. Mind. Yeah. In his mind. Um, and so um here we are all happy we go out to dinner wow we've been married 30 years and people congratulating it and just you know mm-hmm. i got to where i played the game because you know what else are you going to do right. and um and then in september um i got a magazine the christian women's magazine they call it something else now um but it's still yeah. in print the christian women's magazine my daughter who lived in another state where she was married and going to college she got the same magazine because I got two for one and she called me up and 
Um, she said, mom. And I go, yeah. And she goes, you get your magazine? And I go, yes. She goes, did you read it? And I said, yes. She goes, that's dad. And I said, yes. And it was an article about abuse. Mm. And it was a and your it, daughter recognized it. She recognized it, of course. And um, and here it is in a Christian women's magazine, the first time to see that talking about abuse, and it was an interview with a law enforcement officer and saying that it's not okay. And so it, here it is still September, and I still don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, how am I gonna get out of this? Where am I gonna go? I'm in a state, no, there's no family around me. I now live in a city that I don't have any close friends. The only people I know are his family. Um, and it and never occurred to you to go to a shelter? It, no, I didn't even really, I didn't even know there were shelters and yeah. it never occurred to me to call my family and tell my brother, Hey, would you come get me is what I should have done. But he had so turned me against my family that it never occurred to me to reach out. And so my mom, um, wanted to come in December for my daughter's graduation from college and, um, and then stay for Christmas. And, um, and so she did though the days before her coming, he would keep telling me, no, I don't want her here. You cancel that. And I was like, no, I hadn't seen my mom for a couple of years. So it was like, I was not going to cancel this. Um, and so we got through Amanda's graduation and Christmas was just horrific. I mean, it was just horrific and Christmas night, uh, or during that week, mom and I would go out Christmas shopping and, um, and I would say, I'm going to leave. And so we were playing and try to figure out how we're going to make this happen. And I would say, I'm going to leave. And then 10 minutes later, I go, I can't do it. The fear would so overwhelm me. I just like, I can't leave. I can't leave. And she would never tell me you have to leave. She, what was the fear attached to? It was what time? he would do. It was what he would do to me. I knew what he was. Did he for. ever threaten you? Oh my, yes. Like all, I mean, even that night, Christmas night, he was threatened. If you cheat on me, I'll kill you. If you do this, I'll kill you. If you do that. Um, and he had the capability. We still had the firearms in the house. Um, I will kill you and hide the body and nobody yeah. knows how I did it. And, and he was no longer a law enforcement officer, which is a whole nother story we won't get into. But, but he was not in law enforcement, but he still had all the firearms, all the ammunition. I knew what he was capable of. Right. And, um, and so I was deathly, deathly afraid of him. And were you so ever I, afraid that he might hurt your kids too? Yes, he did. He hurts. Yes. Yes, he did. Um, there are some, I didn't find out until later until mm. they were adults and one times I knew about Ben, um, and so, and that's, an, and, and which reminds me, another dynamic that happens in abuse is, especially with your children, is that they will, if they harm your children, they will make sure you're complicit in it. So if they get in trouble, you get in trouble. You get in trouble. Right. And we have all seen the, the TV shows, the cop shows, where she was convicted and they looked at the woman like, why didn't you do anything? You allowed this to happen. And you're just as guilty as he is. Yeah, that almost yeah. happened to me. Yeah. Um, which I was never a good housekeeper. Everything was chaos mm -hmm. all the time. And I was never a good housekeeper when throughout my kids' childhood. Uh, it's only in recent years I've learned how to keep house, I think. 
And um, I had taken my son to the doctor and left the girls at home with Todd and he was asleep. He had worked nights. And so he, we put them down for a nap before I left after they ate lunch and I was going to be back in a couple of hours and he was sleeping and uh, my youngest, my oldest daughter woke up and uh, she had wet the bed, took off her underwear, went to the neighbor's house, told them that we left her home alone. Mm. She was three. You know, she didn't realize what was happening. Mm -hmm. They called the police. The police came out. We didn't get investigated by CPS because our apartment manager liked me. Mm -hmm. And he said, and I went and saw him and he said, the house needs to be cleaned. I said, I'll clean the house, but I'm leaving. And he was like, that's a good idea. And he said, because, uh, the, he said, you could lose your kids. And so uh, I did, I left at that time mm -hmm. and packed mm -hmm. up my things. But the first time I left him, um, he struck me in the ear and I went and the police wanted to arrest him. And at that time in the state of Texas, it didn't automatically go to the DA. Mm -hmm. It was, I had a choice mm -hmm. and I refused to allow them to press charges. They mm -hmm. took pictures and did the police report and they harassed him at work. But mm -hmm. well, yeah. and, and, and that's partly why they changed the law. Yeah. Um, and because I think in women all were state, afraid. well, yeah. because you know, when the police were gone and when he got out of jail, you had to go back home to him. And plus he has conditioned you to protect him at all costs. You put him first and me second yeah. and you second and the kids after that. And so you never, you well, and even them. in my situation, my kids were in between he and I, in my list of priorities, they were more important than I was. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't leave him for me. Mm -hmm. I'd leave him for my kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And, um, and I mean, somebody out there, if anything is resonating, if there's anything, listen for how to contact us at the end of the show, mm, yes. because we really want to connect with you and help you sort out what it is that you're hearing and how you're relating to it. And if you're truly in a situation where you need an exit plan mm -hmm. or you need help figuring out what you need to do, um, because our God is a God of redemption. He can redeem anything, but the other person has to be willing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to just pause on that and say at that time, I, and, and we had been going to church, but he still wasn't willing to stop his, the abusive behavior. And so by the time I left, it was too little too late. The, the steps he had taken were not enough because there was still the, the control, the manipulation, the emotional abuse going on, even though he wasn't hitting me anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so just what you're talking about, Karen, mm -hmm. um, just because they aren't hitting you anymore doesn't mean things have changed. No. no. Dry alcoholics are yeah. still acting like alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Dry abusers, abusers who don't hit anymore, are still abusing you if they haven't changed the emotional and mental dynamic that's that that has taken place well before they ever struck you the yeah. first time. Yeah. They're just abusing in a different way. That's right. Um, and there were times throughout their marriage when God intervened um, and gave him opportunities to choose something different, and right. he could only do it for a short time. It would never stay. Um, and 
So, you know, when my mom, uh, who was 72 at the time and came out that Christmas in 2004, it was, um, he kept me up most of the night, uh, wouldn't let me go to sleep. And, and then there was a point, um, that he was done and all of a sudden he was over it. And we, and there was never apologies. They tell you, you know, a lot of times the guys will apologize. He, Mine, he never apologized. He mine just, would. He would in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, taught. I'm gonna take that out. Um, my ex-husband would apologize in the beginning, and he would always make it up with gifts or something really nice. Mm -mm. No. But but he, yours didn't. So he see, did not. There's no. two different pictures. It's two different pictures, and it just depends on the one. It was just going back and pretend that it never ever happened. And so the day after Christmas, which was a Sunday morning, um, he knew mom and I were going to church. So me getting out of bed, um, didn't do anything. And of course he'd been up till after three in the morning. So he was sleeping sound. Um, and so we, my mom she was staying in the room where all my clothes and makeup were. So she had packed up all my clothes the and packed the, the night before she'd been doing that all week before Christmas packing up on the assumption that I was going to leave. And even though I kept changing my mind and so we loaded everything in the car and we went to start it and it was dead. The battery was dead. It didn't click. It didn't do anything. There was nothing. And I'm yanking, uh, trying to yank out the suitcase and his windows just right there. And I'm crying like I can't escape. It's not going to happen. And my mom's like, Karen, Karen and I'm like what we'll call AAA and I go then I got to get out of here so we close the lid thank God for your mom I know and she was 72 and she's got the sound mind because my sound mind had left years before out. and um and so we went and she called AAA the tow truck driver drove up and I just looked at him and I said I am running away from home you do not wake him up because it will be bad and so I couldn't even go back to the house. My mom went over with him and he got the car started and she drove it over, picked me up and off we went. Um, and so it, um, for every woman, there is like that, that burning bed moment or that stick of fork in me when you just realize you're done, that you have so much more value than what he says that you have. And, um, and do you problem, really think that every woman has that moment? Eventually. Yes, they do. But sometimes they don't know what to do about it. If my mom hadn't come, I don't know what I would have done because I didn't yeah. know what to do. I couldn't think for myself. I would plan. That's why you have movies like the burning bed. That's why the story you of the woman who set her husband on fire. Yes. Yeah. Because dad, sometimes you get to that moment and you either leave or, or some women, when they realize the weight of the abuse that's been heaped on them, does what she did and ends up killing him. Well, one thing I knew, I was not going to prison for this man. That that's was right. not going to happen. Yeah. I had made that decision because I watched that movie. I am not going but, to prison. And this is like, it happened to you over the course of 30 years and you yes. left 15 years ago. But this has been going on since as far as i mean since biblical times it's going yes it's, because my dad tells stories about when he was a kid and they told a story about a man who would go get go to town every night get drunk go home and beat his wife yeah but one night he came home she decided she had enough and he beat her and when he passed out 
she sewed him into the bed. She put a bed sheet over him, sewed him into the bed, and beat him black and blue with her frying pan. Wow. She said yeah. they said he never hit her again, but I'm sure that was not a happy home. No. Like no. The alt it, sometimes what we need to be aware of, and I think this is part of what you're saying, is you didn't know what to do. You were so bound up in the thought processes and the, the just what you had to do to survive mm -hmm. in that environment mm -hmm. that you couldn't think for yourself in a lot of ways. Oh, I couldn't. No. No, and so, and I did make a plan, the fear that, and fear is like, it, that's not word enough. There would be something terror. that right, absolute terror would just rise up in me. And sometimes I could feel it start up my toes and work up my body. And I knew if it got to my throat, I would die. Yeah. Um, it was that thick, that consuming, and, and that would stop me and for years God kept saying trust me and I thought he said trust me and stay and he fixed this yeah. what I couldn't hear is he told me after I was free and out he goes no I was saying trust me and go trust me and go trust yeah. me and go and I could not hear the go ever hear the go and it was a relief to know that he never intended me to stay that long I heard all the messages, don't give up hope, you know, your, your, your victory is right around the corner. And so I would take those things and apply them to the marriage that like, he's going to, he's going to get saved. He's going to get changed. He's going to rededicate his life to Jesus. All those messages um, were, were that meant to encourage you when you're going through difficult times, the enemy was using to, to tell, to keep me into the marriage even isn't longer. Yeah, and isn't that how the enemy works? Yes. He, he warps and twists the message of truth because we can't forget the enemy knows scripture better than we yes, do. He does. Mm -hmm. and, and he warps and twists it just like he did when he took it to Jesus and tempted him out there in the desert. Mm -hmm. He said the exact words of scripture, but then he twisted their meaning. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what he does with us. Mm -hmm. He points to Proverbs 31 to a woman who's in an yeah. abusive situation and says, this is all your fault because yeah. you're not this woman. You're not this woman. You're not enough. You're not and enough. You're, you're not, not enough. someone who brings honor to your husband. You're not. Da, da, da. Otherwise he wouldn't hit you. He wouldn't. Right. Hit things. And then we repeat that to other people. We do. We, we totally repeat it. And so, um, when I, um, when I was finally free, um, there was, um, I was scoured, um, looking for books in order. There to, was no prosecution, no charges ever filed against him. No, uh, no. And, and there's another stories in there where I could have, and, and yeah. I didn't because again, the, the whole idea is to protect them. And, um, so and cause you don't you think about do. yourself. Yeah. It's what they teach you and train you. It's a conditioning that happens. It's what they do in POW camps. Um, you know, and I think that's part of what made my situation a little different than most mm -hmm. was because the last time that he actually physically hit me while we were married, because he did, he hit me one other time after we were divorced. And I told him, you ever do that to me again and you will be in prison. Um, and I should have just called that day. Mm -hmm. But again, there was shame involved in being There's, there with him yes, and yes, all of that stuff. Yes. But, yes. But the night that 
that he hit me and he busted my eardrum is what happened. He, he and it was, I woke him up from his, from his sleep and I tried to do it gently, but he still came up and he hit me in the side of the head and I passed out. When I woke up, I laid down on the couch. I mean, my whole side of my head was black and blue mm. and I laid down on the, on the couch. And then finally we had to go get a prescription and um my ears started bleeding and i started crying i said what am i supposed to do he said you need to go to the er and i said what do i tell him he said tell him the truth mm. and i was like and that was a real awakening moment for me mm -hmm. he was willing to let me tell them what really happened mm -hmm. because before he was like i can't go to jail we'll lose everything and at that point he was like, tell them the truth. He was willing to accept the concept. And we had been going to church. He had not been in church before that. And I think some of that was conviction. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the hospital and that was the night the police, I'll never forget it. His name was officer snow and he begged me, begged me to let him go arrest him. Mm -hmm. And I said, it wouldn't do any good. He's the father of my kids. Don't put him in jail. I'm leaving. And I was, my dad had taken me to the hospital. Mm -hmm. We waited till he went to work. And I packed all my stuff and left and went to live with my mom, looked for a job for three months, didn't find one. So I left and went back. And two months later, a, a person from one of the applications called me for the job, started working the job. A month later, I filed for divorce and moved out. Mm. And so it was over long yeah. before I ever left. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the thing that somebody needs to hear mm -hmm. is that even when you give up, because I had given up when I went back, I was like, it's never going to work. I'm not going to find a job. I haven't been out of the workforce too long, whatever. But even when I had given up, I found a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that's what your story tells people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even when you had given up in that moment, God had your mom there to say, but there's a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you've given up, I'm speaking yeah. to you who's listening right now. Even if you've given up and you said, this is hopeless. Even if I leave, it's not going to stop anything. Be brave. You're worth it. Karen, what would you say to them right now? Um, the, uh, most of the time, um, domestic violence is shrouded in silence. Um, there are some where everybody knows that something's going on, yeah. but there, but, uh, but there is the kind where it's shrouded in uh, the silence and the shame, because you don't want anybody to know because you just feel so shameful that you're allowing this to happen. I feel like it's your fault. Just like, yes, yeah. because it, they've told you it's your fault. So you truly believe that. So again, all the lies that you've been told become a part of who you are and um, and it was as, um, I broke the silence and I had one friend come up to me several years before I left and she walked up to me and she goes, if you ever need me, I am here for you. And it didn't dawn on me until I was walking home from work that day because he wouldn't let me drive the car. Um, and I'm walking home and all of a sudden it hit me. She knows. Hmm. And her son worked with my husband at the time. He was wow. a deputy. And so he worked with him. And so she left. That's why she left her marriage because her 
husband was abusive. And so she knew, and it dawned on me that she knew, and she made herself, she didn't tell me, she didn't embarrass me by saying, I know what you're going through. She just said, if you ever need me, let me know, I will help you. The problem was that she had surgery, she didn't do well, and she passed away. Um, and so the only person that you knew that knew was my mom. What mom, besides your mom was, but was this, but that's the woman, yes, and she died, and she died. That, and yes, I had to and, steal the deal for you. Uh, it was, it was like, it was like so hard. And here's the thing that what happened when in June, when I realized I was done. My sister, my, my whole family lived in California. My sister-in-law, Deb, was in Texas doing a training. And she called my brother and said, what do you think about moving to Texas? You know, we could sell the house. You could come here. You could do ministry. And in July, they came and they found a house. They sold their house. They got three times what they paid for it. They, um, and my mom who lived in California too said, well, I'm not staying, I'm going to Texas too, which my sister and her husband said the same thing. And so my mom's house sold. And so my mom was broke in California. Um, she, she barely survived on her income, her social security and my brother and sister, they helped her out whenever they could because she just couldn't make it. Well, she sold her house for way more than what she she paid for it for the first time in her entire life. She was she set. Had, she was set. She had money. And so that happened. And then in September, the, the Labor Day weekend is when uh, Ron and Deb moved from California to Texas. And this is about the time I'm finding out that God doesn't want us to be in abuse. Oh, wow. That is so different from what I ever heard before. And then, and then, um, and then my mom um, and my sister moved to Texas in October, and then mom could come for Christmas because she could afford an airplane flight. She could do all that. Right. She's the one that helped me. I, you know, she gave me the money that I needed. She, with, she could have never done that. If I would have had to go to California, I would have been a burden on her and trying to find a job in California. I mean, it was just this setup of what God started moving. The moment I decided I, I was done, <laughs> he put into motion something to help rescue me. And God does that. He He's really, the way maker. He is the way maker. He made a way so I could get out. And, and like I said, I didn't put that together until last summer. And, and Dev and I were just in awe of the fact of what God did. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in with us and hearing more of Karen DeArmond Gardner's um, story. Also remember that if you or someone you know is living with domestic abuse or domestic violence, that there is help available. They can go to thehotline.org and um, contact uh, that hotline and get help, get direction, um, get in touch with people who can assist them in their time of need. There's always a way out, and that's the one thing you can take away from today's episode, is that even when you get, you've given up hope that anything could ever change or that you could ever get out of the circumstance that you find yourself in, 
there's always hope. God will make a way for you. And so we're praying that for you today. If you would like to reach out to us, be sure to reach out to us at facebook.com forward slash Blooming Inspired. You can send us a direct message right there. You can also reach Karen at facebook.com forward slash Crack the Silence. We're cracking the silence on domestic violence and domestic abuse during the month of February. This is going to run into the month of March. Um, and we've got a lot more to talk about. So don't miss next week's episode as we're continuing the conversation about how Karen DeArmond Gardner walked out of a 30-year marriage of domestic abuse and violence when God made a way for her to come to Texas and how over the last 15 years he has been delivering her to a place of redemption, restoration, wholeness and healing and you know we never complete that journey until we come face to face with Jesus but while we're here on earth we want to pursue him with everything we've got and that's Karen's story and I can't wait to share the rest of it with you in the weeks to come be sure to visit um, the the Facebook page on Saturday morning. I will be sharing a recorded episode of our Gospels Verse by Verse Bible study at 10 a.m. Central Time. I'll be uploading that before I head out of town on Friday to go speak at the Real Women Conference in Edna, Texas. That's at the Ranch Cowboy Country Church South in Edna, Texas. Um, registration is $45 through Friday. Um, you can register by um, on PayPal by using the email info at theranchsouth.org, info at theranchsouth.org, or you can go to their website to get more information, and that is theranchsouth.org. If you register um, through PayPal, be sure to put in your shirt size, and that's something that they're asking for, and when you send your payment through PayPal. Or you can register at the door. Registration at the door the day of the conference will be $60. And we would love to see you there in Edna, Texas this weekend as we'll be sharing um, about freedom and identity and just uh, God's heart for his women in uh, his church there in Edna. And I want to remind you today, as I always do, that blooming where your planet is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your lives blooming alive. You have been listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast on the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. This show airs every Tuesday, bringing you inspiring guests and thought-provoking conversations about equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. If you would like more information about this show, its network, or how to be a guest on the Blooming Inspired podcast, please visit bloominginspirednetwork.com and click the podcast link at the top of the page.